A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Content warning. Check the show notes for more information. It's June 9th, 68 AD, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by. Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. If we take the early Roman chroniclers at their word, the Emperor Nero was no stranger to death. In fact, he was probably on a first name basis with the Grim Reaper, given his mother was said to have killed his father, and Nero himself possibly killed his stepbrother and his mum, not to mention his first wife, and come to think of it, his second wife as well. Which all might explain why, when he realised his empire was crumbling around him today in history in the year 68, putting a dagger to his own throat and saying hello to his old pal Death may not have seemed like the very worst option. I mean, it was an empire that extended from Britain to Armenia, so you could understand if you were to have sympathy for a a Roman emperor who perhaps wasn't this particularly tyrannical one, (laughs) you could understand why it would be difficult to keep your eye on the ball. Uh, Earlier in this year of 68 AD, there had been a rebellion in Gaul. Uh, Gaius Julius Vindex, a governor in Gaul, had rebelled, but Nero just hadn't been convinced that it was really a threat to his leadership, um, decreeing, I have only to appear and sing to have peace once more in Gaul. (laughs) Um, But then slowly other governors started joining the revolt too. Yeah, by the time the army defected to a rival for the throne, the imperial governor of Spain, Gaetel Galba, the Senate had finally lost patience with Nero and they declared him a public enemy. And at this point he was at the villa belonging to one of his freedmen and he was he was kind of vacillating. He wasn't too keen on the whole suicide idea, which, fair enough, it's easier, I think, to kill a lot of other people when you're a Roman emperor than it is to kill yourself. <laughs> and it was only at the point where he received a letter notifying him that the Senate had declared him a public enemy and that they intended to flog him to death in public that he decided he did have it in him after all. Yeah, so he'd actually come to power due to a strange set of circumstances where basically his biological father had died when he was two years old and his mother, Agrippina, had married the uh, then Emperor Claudius, who was also her her uncle. There was a lot of that going around at the time. And Nero was then adopted and kind of put in line to become his heir and successor. And just to keep all the incestuousness going, uh, in 53 AD, Nero's mother arranged for him to marry Claudius's daughter Octavia. I mean, he had a pretty unparalleled claim to the throne because the existing emperor was his great uncle, his stepfather, his father-in-law and his adoptive (laughs) father. (laughs) It's like a Jerry Springer showtime. I mean, he became emperor at 17 and rumours persist still of him having an incestuous relationship with his mother Mm. simply because of this way in which Agrippina had wangled him in there and things like um, surviving coins that uh, imply they jointly ruled as equals, so both heads are the same size on the coins. But in the early days, 
Uh, you know, if he'd have only lasted a few years, yeah. uh, he'd have gone down in history, wouldn't he? He's a successful emperor um, doing some pretty progressive things. Yeah, the emperor Trajan, who came to power 30 years after Nero died, is said to have spoken of the Quinquennium Neronus, the five good years of Nero's 14 years uh, in charge, which most people think were the very beginning. You know, his first speech was this thing that was penned for him by his much-respected advisor Seneca, in which he promised to uproot the corruption that had plagued Claudius's court and returned yeah. power to the Senate and, you know... Cut taxes. Yeah, cut taxes. And secret trials. Right. Ban capital punishment. You sound like you're about to go around canvassing for Nero. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the first five years, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was very popular with the lower orders, although loathed by the elite. Also, he invested a lot in the city of Rome. He had these new grand public baths built. And interestingly... The idea that he fiddled while Rome burned, you know, the classic saying. Well, obviously, he didn't do that. Violence hadn't been invented. And he wasn't actually in Rome when the fire started. But there are actually reports that he oversaw measures to quell the flames, mm. that he organised shelter for those who had been made homeless. And afterwards, he introduced a new building code to try and stop Rome from being such a big flammable mess of <laughs> overcrowded apartment buildings. But... You have to obviously keep in mind that Roman culture and values were very different to ours and that being incredibly brutal did not preclude being very popular. So he very easily <laughs> could have been and probably was both. The, the other thing is that the idea of history as an academic discipline in the modern sense didn't really exist at the mm. time. And, you know, Roman chroniclers saw no issue with arranging their accounts so that they made like a nice point or that there was dramatic irony in them. Mm -hmm. Can we just recount what they say he did, right? So first is that as a result for Rome burning down, he then went about persecuting Christians but persecuting them so horribly that he's been called the Antichrist right mm. when you when you write Nero Caesar in Hebrew it can be turned into the figure 666 the number of the beast you know you're talking about torture whipping um, dressing Christians in animal skins and setting wild dogs upon them uh, having men crucified in his garden coated in wax and set alight to act as candles at his parties mm. and you know Christians were a real minority then they were just a Jewish sect I mean this is AD 68 it would be like blaming celiacs now in any case, he was certainly brutal, despotic, unstable, prone to excess in all vices. You know, he had this villa on the Gulf of Naples. It was basically the Epstein Island of its day. Mm. Some of the more outlandish tales include him castrating a freedman there to play his bride in a sort of parody wedding ceremony. But his infamy is definitely a combination of the accounts we have from the time, which are notorious for repeating tittle-tattle, but also the early church, you know, turning him into the ultimate bogeyman for his persecution of Christians. Like, I don't think mm. we would have this image of Nero if he'd been burning yes. ghouls at the stake. But again, if you're looking for kind of convincing psychology as to why someone might do this, what we do know, which is what the fiddling while Rome burns thing hints at, regardless of whether the fiddle existed or not, <laughs> is that he was a frustrated actor. Yes. And if we needed any proof that there's nothing more dangerous than a frustrated actor, you know, <laughs> his story is it. He wanted to be an actor and musician. He wanted to play the lyre. He wanted to write poetry and sing. People used to pretend they were dead so they could leave his gigs. He was so bad. <laughs> his final words, supposedly, were, oh, what an artist dies in me. Yes. Like, his whole sad story is a warning bell for frustrated lovies. <laughs> That's true. And even the death of his mother, however it came about, 
Most people identify that as a moment at which there was a real turning point and quite a lot of these dreams of being some sort of a performer or even a chariot racer were allowed to come out. He stopped listening to uh, his better advisors, even got rid of a bunch of them, rebranded himself as Apollo. You know, there is a, a hint of perhaps <laughs> some instability. The artist formerly known as Nero. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then also becoming more interested in the business of public performance rather than ruling the empire. Of course, there's, there is good reason to uh, give your people bread and circuses. He's like, it's bread and circuses, but I've got to tell you guys, I am I the am the circus. I'm yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was one of the reasons that he was unpopular with the elite. I mean, other emperors would be criticised just for being too interested in gladiatorial games and circuses, whereas Nero actually wanted to participate in them. And that was seen as being grotesquely unbefitting of the actual ruler of Rome by the elite. And you can see that reflected in the way that Suetonius describes his death as well. Suetonius always depicts the manner of death in a way that is supposed to reflect how the emperor themselves live. So he makes Nero's death seem particularly farcical and pathetic. Roman society prized stoicism in men, and Suetonius depicts Nero as being reluctant to kill himself, not knowing what to do. First, he calls for poison, which was seen as being an effeminate way to die at the time. He can't even bring himself (laughs) to swallow it. Uh, Next, he summons his favourite gladiator. So again, we've got a reference to his frowned-upon involvement in gladiatorial games. Mm -hmm. In the, the overall effect is almost comedic you know there's Mm. obviously no respect for Nero so all of that leads us to his actual death which again if we go on what Suetonius says he has it thus it starts with a quote hark now strikes on my ear the trampling of swift-footed hunters that's Nero speaking and he drove a dagger into his throat aided by Epaphroditus his private secretary he was all but dead when a centurion rushed in and as he placed a cloak to the wound pretending that he had come to aid him Nero merely gasped too late and this is fidelity. (laughs) With these words, he was gone with his eyes so set and starting from their sockets that all who saw him shuddered with horror. So nothing in those final words about being a frustrated artist then? Well, apparently that's what he was saying earlier while the freedmen were digging his grave for him. He couldn't even do that. He was pacing up and down beside the grave, (laughs) muttering to himself. I think that's fair enough. I think digging your own grave is pretty vivid, isn't it? (laughs) I think also if you fluff your lines after you've stabbed yourself or been stabbed, that's okay. That's Forgivable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Nero's death actually sparked a kind of interesting cult-like belief that he was going to return. That he yeah. it started off being that he'd faked his death, and there was actually good reason for people to be suspicious. You know, one was that his death had taken place outside of the city at this freedman's villa. No one had really seen it, and then his funeral was very pared back. He was cremated privately. That was very unusual for an emperor not to have a big public tribute. And then as time went on, it almost took on a supernatural dimension. It became a legend that Nero had not only survived, but that he had remained alive at the same age he had been and that he was going to come and restore his kingdom. Maybe at this point being influenced by, you know, the Christian beliefs around Jesus's return. Well, I guess you can see how the people would be trained to believe that he was somehow invincible or had super strength by his own propaganda. Yeah. I mean, he took a year out at one point competing in artistic competitions where he won... (laughs) <laughs> 1,808 first prizes. It's amazing, isn't it? He was always the most talented person in the stadium. Um, there was, even at the Olympic Games, he won first prize in everything he did, which is because he was just so talented. So you can see how the ordinary pleb might be convinced by that. <laughs> There's echoes in that of how Donald Trump seems to hit an unnatural amount of holes in one at his golf yeah. courses. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
And so another week of retrospecting ends. But next week begins a day early at Club Retrospectors. Join us now to get an exclusive episode every Sunday. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.